Hello, and welcome to the Church on the Hill podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to join us live this Sunday at 500 Sands Drive in San Jose, California. Visit churchonthehill.com for service times and directions, and also to learn more about connecting, growing, and serving at Church on the Hill. Now let's join lead pastor Scott Simarok as he teaches at Church on the Hill. We're going to talk this morning about how prayer gives us strength. But before we do, uh, Pastor Timothy Keller, he's probably one of the best known pastors in the entire United States. Uh, He makes this statement. He says this, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. Think about that for a minute. To be loved, you are loved, but no one really knows you. It's comforting, but it's superficial. He goes on to say this, to be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and fully loved is a lot like being loved by God, and it's the thing that we desire most. Um, We want to help every person who walks through these doors be known and be loved. That's it. It's it's pretty simple, which is why we want to help you move from being a stranger to being friends with each other and with us as well. So right after our service today, here's what we're going to do. Right out these doors. Uh, If you're new to our church within six months to this is your first time with us, we're going to have a brunch for you. It's 45 minutes. It's free. We're going to feed you. We just want to get to know you. Well, who you are and maybe how long you've been coming here. That's all you have to share. But we want you to hear some of our story too. And uh, have you walked through the lobby and if you've been coming for a little bit, has anyone ever greeted with you, hey, friend? <laughs> or, hey, buddy, it's good to see you. It's just awkward. It's just weird. Wouldn't it be great to go, hey, Steve? Hey, Dave? Hey, Sally, where somebody knows your name, it's being known and being loved. And so my goal is this. I want to make it really hard on you to remain a stranger at our church. And so right after this, out these doors, I hope you'll join us there. Um, I know there's, there's people in here who will be there. Where's Ronald? There you are. Raise your hand. Yeah, don't be shy, Ronald. Raise your hand. This is Ronald. Ronald is great. I love this guy. He brings a whole crew of people from San Jose State um, every week, and they all kind of come together. I'm so glad that you guys are here. And sometimes it's new people every week. I'm like, who did Ronald bring this week? It's like a treat for me in the lobby. Like, who's new this week? And so I know Ronald's going to be there. Right, Ronald? Yeah, you know why I know? Because he's a college student. And there's free food. Ronald's going to be there, and he's going to bring his crew. And so I I hope you'll join us right after the service to do that. All right, let's switch gears into taking a look at this text. My question this morning is this, how strong are you? You know, physical strength is kind of easy to measure, right? You measure it with numbers. If you take a look at this picture, you can determine physical strength by how fast you are. No shocker as to who's winning this race, right? You don't even have to see them run at all. You just look at them and their, their, their physique gives away something about how fast they are, right? And you know who's going to win that. You know we measure strength by how much you can lift, right? There's no shocker in this next picture about who's going to lift more and who's actually stronger. And in order to get stronger, what do they do? They, they figure out where they're at, right? And then how much they can lift. And then they lift a little bit more than that. And then they keep lifting that until they fail, right? And, and then their body breaks down and then they get stronger. But here's my question. How strong are you in here? What does internal strength look like? And then that's a fantastic question because of this. Is it courage? Is it bravery? 
I'm going to go do this thing. And I'm so strong inside that even though I'm afraid, I'm going to have courage and bravery to go do it. Is that internal strength? Or is inner strength just obedience? You know the right thing to do and you just do it because you have inner strength. Is it character? Is it the ability to be who you are? I mean, is it the ability to be who God created you to be regardless of the environment around you? Because I struggle with that a lot. Depending on who I'm with and the influence that is coming on me, can I actually be me? Is that inner strength? What if... um, What if inner strength is actually the thing that people talk about today when they talk about emotional health? Is it the maturity of your emotions that you don't collapse under pressure? So question, I think it's actually actually all of those things combined. And I think it's also spiritual. I think it has something to do with the faith that we have in God and in trusting him to give us strength. Because I think strength is also a gift from God. So if it's all of those things combined, just go with me this morning on that. How do you measure it? When I ask you how strong are you this morning, do you put a number on it? Well, out of one to ten, I think I'm a five today. (laughs) Are you a three tomorrow or an eight tomorrow? And if you don't know how to measure it, and by the way, I think sometimes we measure it in our failure, right? (laughs) I don't know how strong I am. I just know throughout my history how I have cracked, broken, caved under pressure. Instead of being brave, I was afraid and cowardice, and I didn't do the thing that I said I would do. Instead of measuring it by our failures, I just wonder, how, how, do, we, how do we know we have it? And here's the bigger question. How do you build it? What if I could tell you today that we're going to talk about what inner strength looks like? We're going to take a look at a moment in Jesus' life where he was almost caving. He was almost so weak he couldn't endure what he was dealing with. And yet he did something to build that inner strength so he could live the life and move forward with what God had called him to do. Um, Jesus, in this moment, I don't know if he's growing in his inner strength Or if he's just summoning and asking God, God, give me this gift of strength so that I can move forward. And so we're going to take a look at Jesus' story about how we can actually get better at our strength. By the way, the same way that when we lift those weights and we go to failure, uh, in, in that moment we get stronger. Is that how it works emotionally? In that moment where, where you face something really, really difficult... Because you can't build physical strength without going under stress, right? That's the whole point. You run hard, you're under stress, and you get faster because of that. You lift weights, and you get stronger because you're under stress. So does that mean that because of all the stress in your life, you're actually getting stronger? It'd be nice to think that, right? But haven't we all met people who were under a great deal of stress, and they didn't get better, they got bitter? Come on. And so let's take a look at how it is that we're going to build this strength. Um, I want you to see this. Jesus found this tremendous moment of strength. We've been reading through the book of Mark, right? Hopefully you've been reading through the book of Mark. Uh, I don't know, we're in like our 23rd week in Mark. We're going to wrap this up on Easter Sunday, taking a look at the death and resurrection of Christ. I hope you're not just coming and listening to me, that you're actually reading this, this text. I'm going to invite you to that at the end. So if you have your Bible, go to Mark 14, 32. 
Mark chapter 14, 32. Paper Bible, digital Bible. I want you to see this, though. So put your eyes in it, okay? Mark 14, 32. Jesus, he knows he's going to the cross in less than 24 hours. He has a meal with his disciples so that they're strengthened, not just physically. I mean, they're spiritually strengthened. At that dinner, he takes bread and he tears it apart. And he says, this is actually what's going to happen to my body. He goes, I want to break it for you and I want you to, I want you to eat this. He grabs a cup and he says, this is, this is not just wine. This is the blood of the new covenant that I'm going to make with you. And my blood's going to be poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And then they drink it. And the disciples are like, wow, this is getting intense. And then they sing a song is what Mark says. <laughs> and then they leave. And they walk outside the, the gates of Jerusalem. And they, they go to this place called Gethsemane. The word literally means an oil press. It's an olive grove, probably privately owned by someone that Jesus probably knows, and they stop there, and this is how the story reads. Chapter 14, verse 32. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. This is what he says. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. He returned to his disciples, and he found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hours come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is the situation that almost crushed Jesus. What's this story about? It's about Jesus preparing himself to face the agony of dying on a cross. That's what the story is about. Last weekend, uh, we had a memorial service in our chapel uh, for a woman by the name of Ann Sharp. She's been a part of this family for 50 years. And during that service, it just kind of struck me. We're here to grieve our loss and celebrate her win. And that's what every memorial service is for a follower of Jesus. We grieve the loss of not having that person with us anymore. And yet we're celebrating their win that Anne is with Jesus in heaven right now. Do you know that that's Easter? As we approach Easter and we start reading stories about the agony that Jesus went through, we grieve the loss that he went through, the pain and the suffering that he had, and the reality of what it costs us to be forgiven, right? We grieve that. But we celebrate that he was resurrected back to life, which means this. We're not just celebrating his life. We're celebrating the life that he offers us, this relationship with God adopted into his family because our sins were paid in his death. And so Easter, Good Friday and Easter, is we grieve the pain and the loss that he went through, but we celebrate the win that God gives us. That's what this story is about. But I want to focus in on just one thing this morning. 
It's Jesus as he faced this unbelievably difficult moment in his life that that he had to call upon God to strengthen him. And so we're going to take a look at this. Because I think if you really start making some observations from the text, there's some clues about how we can build strength in our lives so that we have this courage, this confidence, this bravery, this obedience to God. No matter what lies ahead of us, no matter how comfortable or difficult it is, that God gives us the inner strength to be the people that he's called us to be. What if God actually gave you that kind of courage and strength today? So here we go. Let's take a look at this. How do we find strength? Number one is this. Strength is developed slowly through consistent prayer. Uh, By the way, let's just say this. No one gets strong overnight. Not physically, not spiritually. Strength is never built in an instant. You can't microwave it. This is actually one of three stories that Mark tells. There's three times in the book of Mark where Jesus gets alone by himself to pray. You know what it is? It's like in page one or two of Mark's story. There's a story in the beginning where Jesus goes by himself. He gets alone to talk to his father so he has strength for the journey. Then there's a story right in the middle of the book of Mark, in the middle of this journey. And then right now here at the end, the beginning, the middle, and the end of Jesus' story is marked by him getting alone to pray so that he could find strength. Maybe Mark, throughout this whole story, is giving us this idea that if you're going to build strength, strength is developed slowly through consistent prayer. So question, how's your training going? (laughs) Do you get away regularly with God so that you can build strength in you? When, When Luke tells this story about when Jesus gets away, here's how he writes it. He says, Jesus went away, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. This wasn't a new thing. It's not like Jesus lived his life. It's like, let's go. I've got this. And then when, when everything goes sour or south or he's like, oh my gosh, the cross is tomorrow. All of a sudden he starts praying. He consistently built this into his life over time. You want to build strength? Here it is. Strength is built by earnestly praying right in the middle of crisis. Here's what Jesus told his disciples. He said, sit here with me while I pray. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Pause for just a moment. I don't think he's exaggerating. I don't think he's making this up. I don't think that's hyperbole. I think what he's saying is, I'm so grieved and so overwhelmed right now. I'm, a, I'm about to die. I don't think he's referring to tomorrow. I think he's physically so grieved right now that his body is breaking down. Grieved to the point of death. This is going a little farther. He fell on the ground and he prayed. Think about this, the weight that he's carrying, knowing what he's about to go through. He's like, guys, just sit here and pray. Pray and keep watch. And he just goes, he says, a little bit farther. He just gets down on his knees and he starts praying. Can I ask you a question? When you face crisis, when the weight of life, the things that you're facing get overwhelming, do you just get down on your knees? I don't mean figurative, I mean literally. Get down on your knees as an act of just humility and dependence on God and say, God, I I need you right now. Or do we call a bunch of people to say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. What do you think about this? There's nothing wrong with reaching out to people. It's fantastic. But sometimes I think God is our last resort instead of the thing that if, if we really are like Jesus, that we go to what he did. We got on his knees and he just said, God, in the midst of this crisis, I'm going to seek you first. I'm not going to try and fix it first. Come on. Some of y'all are fixers. 
You're like, oh, I'll make this better. (laughs) Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But how many of us reach out to God and just say, God, I'm going to be real honest. I need your help. When Luke writes about this, he writes this. He says, and being in anguish, Jesus prayed more earnestly. Jesus prayed all the time. We know that from the book of Mark. As usual, he was out to the Mount of Olives. And when he was praying, he's like, God, I, this is so hard that I'm going to actually take this time and I'm going to focus in even more than ever before. You know, I think there's a time in a crisis when maybe they hit it in parenting. Maybe you hit a financial crisis, a medical crisis. Your marriage hits a crisis. Can I just say this? Get more earnest about seeking God. Get on your knees more often. And just see what God does. See how he shows up and shows off in your life. He invites us to show up, and he'll, do, he'll bring the rest. He'll show up with power in your life. Uh, Jesus, in this moment of the third point, strength comes from friends. But the truth is this. Our friends may fail us. Notice who Jesus took with him. All the disciples are there. I mean, uh, Judas, he's not there. But he takes Peter, James, and John a little bit further with him. Why? Why does he take them along? I mean, is Jesus so overwhelmed with sorrow that he needs his crew around him to encourage him? I mean, I just read you the story. How much encouragement do Peter, James, and John give Jesus? I don't think he was very encouraged as they fell asleep. Look what happens. Verse 34, Jesus tells them, stay here and keep watch. And this says, then he returned to his disciples. He found them sleeping. He said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's interesting how much Mark's recording of the whole story highlights the failure of the disciples. Think about this for just a minute. They were just having dinner with Jesus. And at that dinner, Jesus looks at all of his disciples and he says, I have some news for you. Are you ready? You will all fall away. That's what Mark writes. And Peter's offended. Peter responds, you know what, Jesus? The rest of these guys, yeah, they're going to fall away. I mean, just look at them. It's a very loose translation of the text, okay? He's like, not me, though. Jesus, I will never fall away. Jesus responds, before the sun comes up and the rooster crows, you're going to deny that you even know me. And it says that Peter's really hurt by that. And, and he turns around and he says, even if I have to die with you, Jesus, I will never disown you. And then you get to the prayer time in the garden, right? Where Jesus is about to get arrested. They're falling asleep. And then all of a sudden Judas shows up. The betrayer comes. I didn't read this part of the story, but it's believed that Peter grabs a sword and starts trying to defend Jesus. And Jesus is like, Peter, put that away before you hurt yourself. But then it states this, and they all ran away. Everyone deserted Jesus and fled. And you know how the rest of the story goes, right? Peter's the only of the disciples to follow and kind of sit outside the courtyard where they're kind of trying Jesus in the middle of the night. And this young girl comes up to him and says, you're one of them, aren't you? And you know the story. He denies knowing Jesus. He denies being one of his followers And Peter, that rooster crows, and he realizes, wow, I'm an unbelievable failure in the eyes of Jesus. Can we just take this as a warning? 
you might surround yourself with fantastic people. God designed life to be lived in community. But your people may fail you. I think that's very generous on my part to say that they may fail you. Can I be honest with you? They will. Your people will fail you. They'll fail to recognize your pain. They're going to fail to show up when you hope that they would show up. They're going to fail to know how to respond to your sorrow. They're going to fall asleep and ignore you. They're not going to contact you. They're going to leave you on your own when you really needed them. Our support groups, they will fail us. They're not perfect. And get this, you will fail the people in your life who need you. It's just the reality of who we are. We get distracted. We get busy. We, we find other things that preoccupy us. We just get forgetful. Friends, they're an essential support system for us. But the truth is this. The primary place where this inner strength comes from is our relationship with God when we bow a knee to him. You should have friends. That's why we're doing a brunch. Have I mentioned that we're having a brunch after this service? So that you're known. You're going to find strength in community. But if the community takes place of the strength that Jesus offers you, then you're not as strong as you think you are. And your system will fail you. So Jesus, in this moment, he gets on a knee and he prays. I want to take a look at his prayer for just a moment. When they arrived at the olive orchard, He told most of his disciples to stay, but he invites Peter, James, and John to come with him, and he tells them this, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, and he said to them, stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground, and he prayed. Um, Stay here and keep watch. Question, for what? How would you answer that question? What were they watching for? Did Jesus say, okay, okay, guys, I want you to pray and keep watch at the entrance of the grove because the enemy's coming. Watch for those that are coming so you can let me know when they're here. Is that what he's saying? Or is he saying, guys, I want you to pray and I want you to watch. Watch for God to show up and show off. (laughs) Just pray and see what God will do in you and through you. I mean, is that what he's saying? I've never actually read this before until I read something this last week. Maybe he wasn't saying watch or watch, but maybe he was saying watch. And Jesus goes a little bit further, not a long ways. I think it's Luke who writes about it. He says, just a stone throws away. I've seen some of you throw a stone. It's not very far. And Jesus gets on his knees and he prays. It actually says that he cries out to God. What if he is saying not watch or watch? He's like, watch me pray and learn something. And he gets on his knees and he's just, God, help me. With that, what if we look at the prayer that Jesus prayed to see where he got strength? Here's what he says. His prayer starts like this. Abba, Father. That term means like Papa, Dad. Some of y'all have unique, intimate names for your grandparents and parents, don't you? My, grand, my, uh, my kids call my mom and dad Nani and Opa. I don't know. It's weird, but that's what they call them. It's a term of endearment, though. This word Abba, it, it, you can't help but say that and know that the person you're calling out to is the one who loves you. 
You want to build strength in prayer? Strength is built when we understand God's love for us. Do you know this? That the one you talk to loves you. I'll bet you that's not what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking this. Well, the one I talk to in prayer, he's disappointed in me. Stop it. The one you talk to loves you. Some of you are thinking, no, 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 the one, the one that I talk to, uh, he's hard on me. Who, who told you that? The, the one who, the one who uh, I talk to, he expects more from me. Did your parents tell you that? Or did you learn that from the Word of God? Because I think sometimes we take the authority figures in our life and we project our feelings towards them onto the authority of God and we don't understand this, that he's your Abba, Father, he's your Papa who loves you so much that he's willing to give his son's life for you. Do you understand how much he loves you? Next thing is this. I think strength is built as we acknowledge God's power. Here's what Jesus said. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Do you think that no matter what the obstacle you're up against, that you can't say, God, you can do anything? That means this. He can take that pain from your life. He can remove that obstacle from your life. He can make that medical report better. He can even fix your marriage. He can do that. But you know what? He doesn't sometimes. I'll say he doesn't a lot because he didn't design you for a comfortable life. He designed you for a real life with him. And come on, don't we need to be honest? It's those moments of deep anxiety, pain, and fear that drive us back to a relationship with God. Isn't that how you came back to church? Yeah, amen by myself, I guess. (laughs) Strength is also built when we admit what we want, but we declare our willingness to follow God's ways. Listen to what Jesus said, Abba, Father, everything's possible for you. Take this cup from me. So dad, I I don't want to die on a cross. I don't want to go through that pain. I don't want to go through that agony. Think about this for just a moment though. Jesus had never known guilt or shame. Shoot, we experience that on a regular basis. He never knew it. But he was about to on the cross not just go through physical agony. Think about this. The scripture says that he was made sin for us, which means this. It's not just like the penalty for sin was placed on him. All of the agony, guilt, and shame of the entire world is lumped on his shoulders on the cross. I I don't know what is worse, the, the physical pain of dying, that kind of agonizing death, or the actual guilt and shame before God of Jesus. You bear that right now. I mean, take your worst moment in life and the shame that you felt because that hopefully you no longer feel that, but you felt that. And multiply that by everybody in the room, by everybody in the state, by everybody in the world. Like, I can't even conceive. And Jesus just says this, God, take this from me. Here's what he does. He tells God what he wants. Do you do that? Ask him. Just say, hey, God, here's what I want. You're not bossing him around because it's the next part of this that he declares his willingness to follow God's ways. God, take this cup from me, but not what I want. I'm going to do, and God, would you give me the strength to do whatever it is that you want for me? 
See, it's not wrong to say, God, this is what I want. A new car. God, this is what I want. I want to get married. God, this is what I want. I want a savings account. God, this is what I want. Say it. But you know what, God, this is what I want. I really actually want a life where you're leading me and I'm actually following you. So whatever it is you will and you want, God, I want to do that. Because can I be honest? I, I think that's the best life for us. It's not the easiest life. But it's a life where we're most fulfilled and God's purpose is being created in our life. And we're being who he created us to be. And I will tell you this. And I think when Jesus reveals that condition in humanity that says the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak, I think he's revealing something that's true about all of humanity. Man, we really want to do it his way, but we don't all the time. But I think it begins by declaring it, God, I'm going to do my best to follow you. Here's the last thing. Strength is built when we remember that Jesus died even for those who fail him. This is the statement. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I, I don't think you should make that your life verse. It just is our life verse, right? The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. We are willing to follow Jesus. We're willing to be strong. We're willing to do what we know is right. But here's the truth. We're going to fail. I think Jesus expects you to fail way more than you think you're going to fail. God, I will never turn my back on you. Okay, Peter. (laughs) God, I will never do that. Okay. And I think Jesus expects us to fail way more than we do. But here's the truth. Listen to this. Don't let your failure be final. Don't let your failure be the last thing that, that, that God remembers you for. And you're like, man, you failed and then you just disappeared on me. Peter, he was the greatest failure amongst the 11. Judas was the only one who failed him greater because he failed in a final way. You know that when Jesus came back to life and he showed himself after his death and resurrection, he showed himself to some women. He said this, uh, go ahead to Galilee. I'll meet you there. And then he makes this statement. And by the way, make sure you tell Peter he's invited. I'm going to talk about this more on Easter. But make sure that the one guy who failed more than anybody else, you make sure that he knows that he's invited. Why? Why would he say that? Because Peter, because he failed the most, he's thinking, there's no way. All these other guys, they're now Jesus' favorite. I don't even think Judas is off the team. Maybe I'm off the team too. I failed him too. Have you ever had that thought? Man, I failed him too much. Man, I'm still failing him today. I failed him this morning. I'm even planning on failing him this afternoon. I don't know. He's just inviting you. No, no, no. Come join the team. You know that when he was resurrected, Jesus was around for 40 days and he met with Peter, especially during that time. And you know that when Jesus left and ascended to heaven and the church launched from that point on, you know who the number one person in charge was other than Jesus? It was Peter. Because he responded to the invitation that don't let your failure be final. Come and keep meeting with me. I just believe this, that your strength is built despite the fact that you and I will fail. He invites you to come meet with him and talk with him. And in that prayer, consistently and earnestly, 
where we understand his love for us and his power that he could exercise in our lives. And we just call upon him that he will change us and give us the inner strength to live the life that he's called us to live. Do you believe that? There's one person in the room who believes that. God bless you. I think you believe that. But I think the truth is, we have to show up. Can I invite you to do something? In the next two weeks, we're getting ready for Easter, right? Celebrate the death and the resurrection of Christ. Can I invite you to just open this? Start in Mark 14. And just start reading. And I, I read until something really jumps out at you and God shows you something. The next day, pick up from that spot. And so in the next two weeks, you're going to read through Mark 14 and Mark 16 again and again and again. And I'm hoping that it will help you do this, the two things that we do at a memorial service where we grieve the loss of what it is that happened, but we celebrate the win. Because I think if you do that, you're going to find this inner strength that God is cultivating inside of you to begin living this life for him understanding what it means that there's a God that loves you, that invites you to life change, that invites you to say, I know that you gave your son's life for me on a cross so that I could be forgiven, that my sins would be paid for. And maybe, honestly, as some of you do this in the next two weeks, you're not a follower of Jesus, and maybe in the next two weeks, God will help you cross that line of faith, and you'll finally believe that he actually loves you. And that he allowed his son's life to be torn apart. So that you could be forgiven. And who knows? God can do anything. God can even in this room today right now. Help some of you cross that line of faith. That this is the turning point in your life. Where you finally say yes. I need to follow Jesus. God would you give me the inner courage and strength. To walk with you and follow you. Would you do that for the next two weeks? And see what God does with you. Let's pray. God, the truth is that there's a lot of times we don't feel strong. And the truth is sometimes we fake our own strength just trying to get through. And we do know this, God, that there's moments where the pressure just gets to us and it gets to be too much. And I just thank you for how much you love us and you keep saying, no, come to me. Come talk to me. Bow your knee and talk to me in prayer. God, the truth is we need you much more than we admit. But give us the ability, the conviction to show up in these next two weeks so that when we gather to celebrate your death and resurrection, it's changed us. It's moved us closer to your heart. And I pray for those who are here in this room right now that if they've never had a turning point, a repentance moment where they have turned away from their old life and said, Jesus, forgive me, I want to be adopted into your family, that they would even do that right now. God, we know that by your power you can do that. So, Lord, thank you for the strength that you give us, not for the easy life, but the strong life. We pray that you would show us that more and more as we show up and your power shows off. And if you want that and you believe that, just simply say, amen.